and welcome to the Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jessie. And I'm Kelly. And today we're discussing another graphic novel. This one is called The Girl from the Sea by Molly Knox Ostertag. 15-year-old Morgan Kwan wants to escape her small coastal town ASAP so that she can be her true self, which, like, cough, explore her sexuality, cough, like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And she wants to do that away from her sad, divorced parents, angry little brother, and, I don't know, kind of, uh, and her friend group. Um, But Morgan's plans are forced to change when she meets a very chaotic cutie shapeshifter named Kelty. And then, of course, chaos ensues, as we're used (laughs) to. (laughs) Initial reactions. Jesse, this might be the shortest initial reaction I've ever seen. Yeah, I just said five out of five stars. Love this book. <laughs> I just love a cute, sweet, short graphic novel. I don't know what else to say other than it was it was really good. The art was like top notch. I love this mm-hmm. one also. Like beautiful illustrations, quick and cute, like you said. It digs into the nuances of coming out and like various relationships and contexts and how like you're never done coming out because of like hetero patriarchy or whatever and we've talked about before on the show that like we don't want queer stories that focus exclusively on this experience of coming out like it's important that there's a range of narratives with all sorts of different kind of characters but I thought that this one struck a good balance and it is important that those stories exist yeah especially for this age group that I think are probably more in the process of coming out than it would for like older adults upper teen level so recommend if you like um i said mooncakes by suzanne walker and the prince and the dress by maker by jen wang um both of these are queer uh graphic novels um mooncakes is more fantasy but the prince and the dressmaker is not um and i really loved both of those so would recommend Another one that just came to mind for me is Heartstopper, like contemporary. Yeah, of course. It's like not a fantasy, but that might be another good, like read alike, recommend if you like for sure. Why did we choose this book? I think I I put it on the schedule because we'd never read anything by Molly Knox Ostertag for the uh, podcast, but I read Witch Boy. I just got it from the library and I loved it. And so I wanted to read another like, gay sapphic graphic novel so here we are here we are time to talk about world building in through the wardrobe we had this very like little island town with tourists like tiny town vibe almost like like a shore a shore town coastal town you can imagine like the the boardwalk and the like tourist shops and the like kayak rental place <laughs> or whatever um but i thought that the the setting was was quaint and like kind of made the world into like a little microcosm where we could see what all the characters are up to yeah i adore a small town story like i don't know why they're just like so cozy especially beach towns since i grew up like so close to the ocean Um, We would go to like these kinds of towns in the off season and like so many things are only open during the summer and spring, but it was always so peaceful to be there. Like even though I was a tourist there, like to be there before like the 
tourists came in so like to be there in like November or whatever I always really liked that um so I also just like appreciated this as a person who loves the ocean <laughs> I yeah I, I when I was thinking I was reading it, I was like I wonder if this is bringing up some nostalgia for Jesse just because like Virginia coast right yeah 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 and we would like go to Virginia Beach which wasn't very far from where I grew up about like 45 minutes to an hour and then when we were in college my husband lived like his family moved to uh, a coast town in North Carolina mm -hmm. and so when I would go like down to visit like it was 10 minutes to the beach so yeah I love the beach vibes and I would not call myself like a beach girly at all okay. but <laughs> I was gonna ask I do like to go and like walk <laughs> what do you what do we think about the beach do you enjoy the beach are you like there at every opportunity to get the sun and the ocean or because I'm like one of those people that like the beach is great in theory and I'm always like mm -hmm. it's so much better in theory than it is in practice probably just because I don't have a lot of practice being from ye old Colorado yeah you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think like where the beach and the ocean is scary to like midwesterners and I'm like oh no the mountains are scary there are bears and mountain lions and like fucking tornadoes <laughs> here <laughs> and then like people who are from the midwest are like hurricanes are scary and I'm like you have like forewarning <laughs> like you could leave <laughs> I mean not everyone has the means to do that but like I have survived some hurricanes trees falling on my house like all that stuff but yeah nostalgia I like to go to the beach I like walking on the beach I don't like sitting out at the beach because I am very concerned with my skin and my skincare and I don't want to get sunburned and it's bad for you um, but I like to go like walk it at like you know like dusk sunset e times yeah I think it's fun uh and I would, my husband and I would do a lot of fishing in the summer, like from the pier. Um, mm -hmm. I love fishing. I grew up doing that. So probably doesn't fit my vibe or whatever, but it's super fun. <laughs> that is, that's so cool. No, you contain multitudes, but it is sometimes you don't know what Jessie will be into and then she'll surprise you every once in a while. <laughs> Formula It'll one. be something really silly. <laughs> Let's discuss all things magic. Our main magical element is that Kelty is a Selkie. And the magic of shape-shifting and the, like, quote-unquote rules of this magical system are that the Selkie has to, or kisses someone on land, or they, yeah. like, have a relationship or something with someone on land, mm -hmm. and then they can spend a little bit of time on land they get to take off their selkie skin but then after that they have to spend seven years at sea so it's one of those like magical trade-offs almost like one of those magical yeah. bargains i did some research and found out that selkies actually appear in a ton of different uh folklores specifically celtic icelandic irish manx which is what m-a-n-x which is what you call the people from the island of man i guess like the okay, British I, was like, I don't know what that is <laughs> norse Sami and also Scottish folklore. What is Sami? Sami is, those are the native folks in the upper part of Scandinavia. They're reindeer oh, okay. herders. Oh, okay. And nomadic people. Yeah, so that's where I found like specific Selkie folklore mentions, but I'm sure that there's other traditions that we could say are kind of related, like the Mamiwata, for example. Mm -hmm. Um you know, but when I was looking specifically for selkies, that's where that's what showed up for me. Makes sense. Places near the ocean slash seas. Um, right. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know anything about selkies before reading the story. And when she takes off her like 
selkie skin that like that was kind of weird there's like this scene where she's like pulled it back from her face and just like her eyes poking out and I was like I don't know why that just like gave me the ick um but otherwise (laughs) the book was super fun um it's very reminiscent of like Disney's The Little Mermaid except like the you know Kelty doesn't lose her voice which is just so much better um so yeah that's what for some reason that was like oh like the little mermaid (laughs) i'm really glad that you brought that up because it does kelsey does have this sort of like or i guess i I like the trope because it's like you can take this outsider and plop them into a world and defamiliarizes it for everyone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who's like been in there their whole lives you know so that's kind of what this is happening with morgan and then also with all of morgan's little cohort of friends yeah. Um, and Kelty is just like a kind of an agent of chaos because she like doesn't abide by all of their like nonsense land rules, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want to wear shoes. Um, <laughs> there's like so many scenes of her walking around with no shoes on. I'm like, bro, you're going to get an infection or like ringworm or something. Like you can't be going into public restrooms with no shoes on. It's very Colorado of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was a time when <laughs> she should at least need those like weird rubber shoes <laughs> with her toes <laughs> like the shoe socks oh my god i'm not sad that those are that those are out of out of fashion <laughs> i think that was like a white people thing i would never have even considered that it's super weird oh it was definitely yeah. a white people thing it was like white progressive maybe not even progressive but like technocrat yeah. who ultra marathons every you know other day or whatever it's very it was like very niche (laughs) or like anti-vaxxers kind of like i feel like the anti-vaxxer granola moms (laughs) would be like super on board with wearing those actually they would probably go into like target no shoes at all (laughs) and also like those shoes are so expensive for not being like very helpful at all like offering no support yeah offering no warmth yeah Your feet must be so cold. It's just like plastic. <laughs> yep. This is nonsense. And also like breathability. I don't even want to think. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, gross. let's move on. It's <laughs> <laughs> maybe a good segue. It's like sounds villainous to me. Okay. Let's go get Kylo Ren. Talk about conflict, etc. The thing that stuck out most to me was it, from like, at least like outward conflict, like a a bigger conflict than just like the interpersonal stuff that's going on is wealth accumulation and greed. I forget what the friend's name is. Who's super rich and is having their birthday party on their yacht or something. I want to say Sydney. It sounds good to me. Okay. (laughs) I returned my book already. So I don't remember. Me too. (laughs) Um, But like people are always be needing a bigger boat and it's like, Mm -hmm. you really don't. No. always need a bigger boat and it's but people can't be like there's there's like a you know a cohort in society that like doesn't understand what enoughness is it seems like and they're the people with who already have too much so we, we see a little bit of this you know mm-hmm. balancing that morgan is doing um, yeah and kelty's kelty obviously the outsider is the one being like this is wrong y'all need to stop yeah you were talking about like small beachy town sleepy tourist town vibes when it's in the off season and yeah these like problematic yet necessary for people to survive tourist economies that like crop up in different places it seemed like the the book was maybe gesturing at that even though that like wasn't the core you know problem that was going on in the story and that well i think it ties into like your first point because like 
the girl whose parents are getting like the bigger boat are like running a company that will take people out on the ocean and let them see stuff, you know, like, like a boat tour, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. But they are obviously like the wealthiest people, like more wealthy in the community. And so we don't see a lot of the other stores that maybe like don't see as much business in the winter uh, and fall. So like, how does that impact them? But like these bigger boats might help bring people in, in the off season. So it's kind of like this, like, toss up of like how do you both have things that will bring people there because it's a tourist economy and then like also not destroy the planet <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly one other moment that i'm excited to talk about is this outing situation with morgan and her little brother he outs her at the dinner table or something yeah you know kind of because he's angry right but i thought that yeah like outing someone before they're ready and without their consent is uh I'm glad the novel like dramatized this point because it does happen, especially like within family units. Yeah. And I think this was like a really interesting scene and a really interesting way to handle Morgan's outing because Morgan is 15 and her brother Aiden is younger than her. I'm not really sure like how much younger. And it's pretty clear that he's like not outing her to be malicious. It seems like what he's attempting to do is get attention for telling the secret of Morgan having like a romantic partner, which is like Mm. very normal younger sibling behavior. Um, And in a way, I think this like comes down to parenting, especially because like Morgan mom, Morgan's mom, like, positioned herself as an ally but like parents should probably (laughs) be a little more helpful in teaching their kids that someone will talk about romantic partners more generally when they're ready and it's not up to like the sibling to tell those secrets if there's like not an issue at hand and like Aiden is crying out for attention and the family deals like with a divorce and he gets that attention by telling everyone that Morgan is in a relationship so I think it shows the importance of helping kids to understand attention and why it's not always like a good thing and more appropriate ways to get it attention because when they're like having this conversation when he's apologizing to Morgan he's like I'm sorry for outing you or whatever and I don't think he like really understands what he did and that's like kind Mm -hmm. of on his mom a little bit more so um, it was like an interesting way to handle it in a way that's like he's obviously not trying to hurt her but he's also like hurting a lot you know what I mean (laughs) oh yes that's a really great way to great way to put it yeah the like violations of trust and it's like one day Aiden you'll go to therapy and you'll dissect this moment in your life and you'll really like but it is so hard to like figure out what what you need like the need what is the need the need is that I need uh, like attention validation love or whatever from my caregivers and then like how do you go about addressing the need but when that's not when that's subconscious that's when all these sorts of like I don't know like the pinball, like the projection and the like, you know, taking things out on on people that you didn't necessarily mean to. But yeah, you're you're right that this this does have to do with parenting. And I appreciate how they didn't like it's like a, a bit of like a conflict villain moment, but the book's not trying to like vilify anyone in the situation, which I thought was, you know, nuanced and appropriate. Yeah. Onward, magical friends, just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, gender, and ability. This is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. We talked a little bit about class already and rich people needing bigger boats or whatever, but I thought that the the book was invested in showing these different class differences like within a friend group, which I thought was was fun. And that's also something that like teens are 100% dealing with. And we kind of like see a little bit maybe in like movies or or shows for this audience. 
but yeah, it does like definitely create conflicts and there's like interpersonal dynamics to, to navigate where like the, the rich friend is like feeling very entitled, you know, and is maybe self-centered about their birthday party, not picking up on the fact that like maybe Morgan is withdrawing for, you know, reasons and you need to just like let it breathe and open up a space for that person to like air what they want to air. But it also is clear that like Morgan doesn't trust her friends for one reason or another enough at this point yet in the story to come out to them. Yeah. And I think um, something that's like very online right now is videos of young girls, like preteen, teenage too young for to be worrying so much about skincare um, and like doing their Sephora hauls and stuff so my fellow very online people will see this and just like the consumerism of it but like also Mm. it tends to be young white girls who are obviously very whose parents are rich because they're spending thousands of dollars at Sephora in one go Um, Uh, so and so I, I, I assume that like young people right now are also seeing these class differences very like they're very apparent right now when we see like how consumerism is like affecting them so and we're kind of seeing that with like Morgan and her friends like the one friend is like I can only afford to buy one dress the rich friend is like oh I can spot you like you know those kinds of things we had like little queer babies tiny Mm -hmm. tiny baby queers um who are just coming into their own and I, I think Morgan was the only queer person in her friend group am I making that up no I think I mean that we know of that we know of. fair enough yes good point and I I like how Kelty is coming in with like no human society baggage and so then she doesn't she's like not it's so interesting because she's like not weirded out at all by like her desires she's just like yep that's that's it this this feels good and so this is what I'm doing and I thought that was very refreshing and kind of like a nice counterpoint to Morgan who's like so anxious so in her head so people pleasy so like repressed you know yeah and I think we'll see like this like Kelty's kind of experience become like more normal experience for young people you know there's like so much queer representation now that there didn't used to be and obviously people like our age are having kids I feel like I'm not old enough for that yet, but <laughs> like, I feel like if we had kids, like this wouldn't be like, they'd be more like Kelty and less like concerned, you know, because there's just, it's just a, uh, something that people don't, I mean, obviously some people think, you know, queerness is bad or whatever, but obviously they're wrong. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like this will become like a more normalized state of being. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Normalized is the word I was thinking about. And then also with like, you know, the internet gets a bad rap for <laughs> probably a lot of good reasons sometimes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also like this this connection to where you know if like I don't know queer representation is banned in schools in Florida for example yeah then, but you have these people have computers in their pockets mm-hmm. you know and then they can literally find community elsewhere beyond these borders they can find information beyond these borders and like obviously as an information scientist you know don't tell you the information you know caliber can be very wide <laughs> um, yeah but yeah I agree that this is like it's hopefully this is like baggage that millennials and before can like fucking i don't know alchemize you know so that people in the future don't have to we also just have like i mean along those lines like a very diverse cast of characters both racially ethnically queerly (laughs) um (laughs) uh 
disability. So it was just nice to see. And some of that was just came up in like the artwork, but other things came up like in conversations, especially with Morgan's queerness. So yeah, always just appreciate, you know, diverse story that isn't doesn't feel like it's like just ticking boxes, you know, like Morgan does have a black friend, which that doesn't like really. Mm, her blackness isn't like an issue uh which I don't know how realistic that is in like this small tiny beach town but that's not the focus of the story um and Morgan is ethnically Asian so you know it's just nice to like have these different things and like focus on one thing and it doesn't have to be about like race ethnicity and queerness like we can just focus on one thing at a time which is sometimes also just like nice you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah It's time for Shipwrecked. We're doing it. Segment about asexuality, sexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And maybe we'll do some shipping, but not on a yacht. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No yachts in our ships. Mm -mm. One thing that I thought that the novel did really well was just like giving airtime, space time to the friendships and how you navigate those as a teen and how it's like they're such important relationships in your life. I mean, throughout your life, but I think especially as a teen, like having peers and being able to like go through these sorts of like formative moments together is like important for like belonging and stuff and like the drama of coming out and then you have to keep coming out again and again, you know, as I said before, the book is, I think that's one of the, the main focuses is this friendships and then Morgan being like, who can I be uh, in these different contexts? And she's figuring out how to maybe integrate all of that so she can be who she is, which she's been hiding a little bit more. Yeah, the friendship group was so fun to see, like, interacting with each other. And I really like how they did it in the, like, you know, text messages. Um, Young people are so much more connected than we could be when we were that age. Like, I had to call people on the house phone um, in middle school and even into high school. (laughs) Into high school, really? Yeah, I didn't get a cell phone until I was, like, mm, maybe a sophomore in high school. I guess you are older than me. You're only two years older than me. Yeah, not that much. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But I think that like interconnectedness is like really nice in a lot of situations, but it also means there's less time to be disconnected and there's like an expectation that you're always available. So like when Morgan didn't go with her friends and stuff, they were like, hey, where were you? Like I texted you. And it's like, just because we can be connected all the time doesn't mean we have to be connected all the time. And I think that's something that maybe um, younger millennials gen z and then obviously gen alpha will really miss out on because like i could go somewhere and just like not be in connection with people for like an extended period of time and they just don't really have that in the same way anymore um so it was interesting to see like morgan navigating that that's such a good point yeah it's like back in the day we had t9 like it was not Mm -hmm. as easy to text even Oh, I mean, I actually was just talking about this last night. I miss T9 so much. Like, it was very irresponsible, and I was in high school, so, like, shame on me. But, like, it made it so much easier to text and drive because you didn't need to, like, look at a screen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't recommend texting and driving. I wonder if there's, like, an app that can (laughs) change your keyboard to T9 now. (laughs) It wouldn't be helpful. You need the clicking of the button to know how many times you're, like, you know. Yeah, the, like, the mechanical feedback of the button click, for sure, that we've all but lost. To, <laughs> lost to history that's such a good point and yeah it kind of brings up this idea of like boundaries with our devices and with like how available we are to everyone else and kind of like that 
like sometimes I get this like overhang of guilt or whatever when it's like yeah I can't respond to this in like a timely manner like I would like to and then I just like get down on myself or whatever but but yeah they're there's so much more like being perceived even if you aren't physically Mm -hmm. there like you know you're receiving messages from the ether and then there's this expectation that you're you know available and respond to them yeah that's a good point I hadn't thought about that as we mentioned before there is a divorce storyline um Morgan's parents have gotten divorced and we see Aiden struggling with that significantly and Morgan probably also in her own like more quiet way it seems like Mm -hmm. but yeah this is definitely something that is very commonplace and that I think is important for young people to to see in the um the books that they read yeah for sure this last moment I wanted to like zoom out from human relationships and be like interspecies relationships also seemed important in this book and I appreciate that they were brought up um because it's something that like I think human exceptionalism and anthropocentrism can get like super mm-hmm. tunnel visiony um, around like our human experiences in the world. But Kelty obviously is not a human and she's got way more relationships with not only her like seal kin, but also just the whole ecosystem, you know, that she depends on to survive. So it made me, it was making me think of like symbiosis and mutualism and the importance of like land and like how land and water interact for like the health of the entire ecosystem. And Kelty's really got her like fingers on the pulse of, you know, if this more pollution comes, then it'll damage the reef or the, like the, the fish populations, or they're going right by this like cove where the seals go. Rookery. <laughs> the rookery. Thank you. The rookery where the, like the baby seals go to like hang out and just be little flesh blobs of gorgeous, blubberiness i love them so much they're so <laughs> cute <laughs> no i 100 i 100% agree and i think it also goes back to like what you were saying earlier about like greed and the need for more and more and more because what is impacting you know the the rookery and the seals is that big boat and they're talking about how like how much noise it's going to create going by so even like not just like the literal pollution of having like these big machines in the water but like even the noise of it is like a type of pollution which i don't think we talk about as much um and like the effects of noise pollution not just on animals and ecosystems but on people as well so i like that you like those two things just tie together really well Now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in Kill Your Darlings. Something I hadn't seen before that I really loved was the white background of the pages for a daytime scene. And then the background of the pages went was black for night scenes. And I thought that this made the experience really immersive while I was reading and looking and absorbing everything in the graphic novel. I loved this. I was like, it's such a small touch, but for some reason it made a big difference to me. And I get that like, it's not going to be accessible for every Mm -hmm. publisher to do it. Right. But I'm glad that they were able to make this happen. Yeah. It's funny. I didn't even notice until you mentioned it. And I was like, oh yeah, that was really cool. You mentioned um, like hinted at these message exchanges. I thought that the illustrations were like very cute and effective, like the little circle avatar thing. And like in shows and movies, like, sometimes they make you actually like look at the phone screen to read the message like i read i watched ted lasso and it's like i get it's a fucking iphone i get it's apple tv produced you know what i mean but like (laughs) you can put the blue bubble up on the screen or whatever in an illuminated dialogue box and get a little creative with it 
yeah but i thought that these were an effective way to like move the plot forward and also like really develop the characters of the teens because this is how people interact with each other now yeah and i think um this isn't a graphic novel and i am really showing my age here but there was those books like when i was a teen called like ttyl and i think the whole thing was written in like text messages (laughs) and i i like just forgot about them until this moment right now (laughs) i'm not remembering these opens new tab (laughs) as a side note for like tv shows and movies those like text messages should really be read out loud like heartstopper does a lot of this and for accessibility reasons Mm. like that needs to be read out loud because they go by so fast and this also happens in movies with subtitles where it breaks between speaking in english and speaking in a different language where the subtitles will come up so fast and it's just not very accessible so i think we need to also like think about better ways to handle both of those things That's such a good point that I did not even think about. So thank you for bringing it up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Something else that stood out to me is the Ostertag does this like onomatopoeia lettering for words like crash or it, but it would be like in bubbles or something because the scene Mm -hmm. is happening underwater. And I just, I think that that's such a cool part of the graphic medium, like the comic book medium, sequential art or whatever, is that you can really play with how you're giving this information to the audience and in ways that are really cool. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I love it. Before we end, it's time for Real Talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way or did it make you interrogate a concept or system or trend you had not before? Kelly, we have like not very much in here. (laughs) We don't, but like you were reading our little like bit at the beginning of this section and it made me think about how just in general, I think it would have been really transformative if this sort of representation were around when, you know, I was a child in my formative years because there was like really nothing like this and it's just like joyful and has like a few emotional beats, but it's not like no one's dying you know, <laughs> but it's looking at you, John Green. <laughs> I was going to say it's not our the fault in our stars, you know, or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just I'm g- grateful that these sorts of narratives are, exist and that we're getting more and more of them. I think that's really great. Agreed. I put in real talk of something that's not very deep, but what animal would you shapeshift into if possible? A hundred percent a cat. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't know why I'm surprised by this. You get to be lazy all day and just lay around, find your sunspot, eat some food, play around. I would want to be a cat in a household of people with no children who actually treat their cat like a pet and not like a piece of furniture. Mm, that's a word. That's what I would want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep. It's like a cat with a staff, a household staff. Yeah. <laughs> I just want responsible pet parenting. That's all I'm asking for. It's not that big of an ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I actually didn't think of my answer to this question. Of course you didn't. I'm not surprised. <laughs> you always do this. You're always like, question. And then I'm like, and I'm like, what about you? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> um, I want to pick more than one answer, which probably also doesn't surprise you. <laughs> no. Hmm. I'm into eagles right now. Maybe I'll say mm. an eagle. Okay. I saw them again the other day this week. It's auspicious. I don't know what it means, but probably something. <laughs> it, it means that I'm actually looking for them, I guess, maybe. And then they come find me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I 
right, we have we have the the cards. They're out. They're ready. I wonder when they'll get like repeated questions. I don't think we've had very many repeats yet. I don't think so either, but it's a lot of cards. Hmm. What one element from the book would you like to bring into your life? I mean, I wish I had more baby seals in my life. Okay. Okay. You could move somewhere with that. I could. And with like ocean, that would be interesting yeah. someday to live not in a landlocked place. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I would say like Kelty's um, like sense of not like imagination, but like open mindedness. She's just like re- learning so many new things and taking it all in stride and, you know, being like having a good attitude about it. And I feel like sometimes when something's new, I'm like, Ugh, like, you know, whatever, very like annoyed but it's good to experience new things and explore the world that we live in and so yeah I would say that wow that's like a way better answer (laughs) anything (laughs) I had to say yeah it's like you're reminding me of like the Buddhist concept of beginner's mind you know how like Mm. if you're always bringing that in then you're like open to be surprised open to have your mind changed open to have your worldview shifted and that's a great way to move through existence yeah I think your answer was also good, but I've lived close to the ocean, so I'm also like, <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> done it. What was the turning point of the story? I think maybe when Morgan just, like, realized her feelings, like, one, realized that Kelty was real, and then was just also like, let's just have this, like, fun time together while you're here. Yeah. And I know she wasn't spending as much time with her friends, but she was also getting, like, so much joy out of spending time with Kelty and realizing that, that she was like, it's worth it to do this. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree. I agree with that. And I it made me think about like that there's no HEA. There's no happily ever after yeah. in this story, which mm-hmm. I think is also great to have in yeah. books for young people. Um, especially because like, I know I'm an exception to this, but like for the most part, the person that you're with in high school is not going to be the person you end up with. And, it, and we often like put that almost into YA books, like HEA like you're going to be with them forever they're like your soulmate or whatever but it's just not like the norm for most people but it's good to show that like you might not end up with that person but it was still like worth your time to be in relationships with people so I think that's good Mm -hmm, totally what did you like about this book I feel like we just spent (laughs) 35 Mm -hmm. minutes talking about what we liked about this book let me pick a different one is that okay with you yeah of course we've re- we, okay <laughs> here i am repeating questions is this the best book you've read on this topic oh um i don't know what the topic would be <laughs> i mean i'm i've never read a book with selkies before so yes <laughs> <laughs> so it's a short list that it's at the top of yeah, so yeah. yes <laughs> i think um, all right do we'll do one more <laughs> and yeah and but also like going off of what we were just talking about like i think it's a a good way or it's the best book that I've seen that deals with like a breakup in a way that's not like, I don't know. Super... The end of the world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's just yeah. like something that you have to weather and then move on from, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay. Last one. This book doesn't have an epigraph. So I think this question is moot. If this book has an epigraph, does it help you understand the message? I don't re- I, I don't always read the epigraphs, so so sorry. <laughs> For shame, the paratext, <laughs> the sacred paratext. <laughs> or I forget about it, so <laughs> yeah, you read it and then it I'm um, have to be reminded. It's gone forever. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you've mentioned in previous shows that like the epigraph seems like maybe more for the author. Yeah. They were like, this quote is hanging over me and haunting me and I have to put it in the book somewhere because it matters. But it's like maybe not quite as important to the readers because we like the epigraph doesn't get like an asterisk with a footnote that explains it yeah. which is like what my ass would do <laughs> you know oh <laughs> uh, yeah thank you for listening to the library coming we'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of that self-same metal by Brittany n williams swashbuckling in shakespearean times get ready As always, we'd love to be in conversation with you all. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we missed, or just say hi by reaching out to us slash mostly Jesse on Instagram at the Library Coven. And you can also contact us um, by emailing thelibrarycoven at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the Library Coven on the podcast app of your choice. And we'd really appreciate it if you rate, reviewed, and tell other people about the podcast. <laughs> if you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation on coffee, support us monthly on Patreon, or by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. Until next time, stay magical. Stay magical.